Welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Shank, coming to you from our store in Seymour, Missouri. Each week with my co-host and Missouri Wind's General Manager, David Medeiros, we discuss the latest on renewable energy. Check out our additional educational information on our website at mwands.com. Thank you for downloading this podcast, and please subscribe. Literally the third time we have started trying to record this one episode. And while it's a good episode, it ain't that good of an episode. This is the third This is our Eleanor episode. (laughs) I have been thwarted by our recording batteries thrice now, so hopefully we'll, we'll make it through this time. Order of operations. So this will be the third time David has has walked us through this. So he should know it quite well. Today's episode, we're going to talk about how you go about hooking up your system once you got it. So you think there's just, hey, throw it up any old way. There's actually a very specific sequence we need to talk about. We're going to talk about solar first, and then we're going to add some addendums to what you need to do when it comes to putting wind in the mix but there's a real specific process that we need you to go through when you're putting this together, lest you release the blue smoke of, of sadness. So the magic smoke, magic smoke. It only goes out. It does not yeah, go back it in. It doesn't go in. So let's talk about that, David. I called Missouri wind and I talked to one of our guys and I got all these cool things together. I have left the instructions in the bottom of the box setting over in the corner and I'm starting to put things together what am I apt to do wrong here? Well, the number one thing that most people do wrong is they will hook up their solar panels to their charge controller the very first thing without having any batteries hooked up, any inverters hooked up. And that's a big number one no-no. Not to say that it will always damage the controller, but 90% of the time that's going to destroy the controller before you actually hook up, before you actually get hooked to the batteries. Some controllers have replaceable fuses in them. Most of them don't, and so if you happen to do that there again and there's no uh, there's no voltage or there's nowhere to send that power to, it's going to send it all into the controller. And So are people just mistakenly thinking that there's no power coming down that yet? or, or You what? know, I think that's the deal, but, you know, like I've said, this is my third time saying it. When I first started... <laughs> Quit rubbing it I in, man. <laughs> first started at Missouri Wind and Solar, you know, I was new in the energy field, renewable energy field. You know, and that seems like the normal order. I mean, put your panels up on the roof, come down and plug it into the charge controller, then plug your charge controller into a battery. Because, you know, if you were working on a car battery and you was going to charge a car battery with a just a regular 110 charger, you would plug your charger into the wall before you plugged it onto the battery. And so that is what a lot of people think. Well, that's, you know. But isn't the better analogy, it would be like if I was hooking up my water hose there you go that's right you're exactly right that all of a sudden the, if that, i crank that water on the water's going to come out right. and slam you know, into whatever you, you turn on the well pump before you have the actual line hooked up to the house be a beautiful you're going to have fountain, a right? lot of water going somewhere <laughs> and let's just say that you had it going to a, a tank that could only hold so much before it explodes. so that is really what we're talking about so exactly so about. you've got the power coming down out of the panels they're hitting the charge controller and there's nowhere for it to there's go nowhere for it to go but within that unit that's right that's right and so it's kind of the equivalent of having your your pipe pointed at the brick wall and right. wondering why you got wet when it comes out of there full that's exactly right now the big reason besides it's going to destroy your equipment 
not all the time, but they're you know, 90% of the time. The next big reason is, is most all charge controllers, especially the ones we're selling, are auto-detect. So they can do multiple voltages. And so they're auto-detecting. So when you hook this up to your battery bank, say that you have a 24-volt battery bank system. And let's just say, though, that you're using 12-volt panels or, or a higher-volt panel even, and you hook this charge controller up to the solar power before you hook it to the batteries. When you do hook it to batteries, it has no idea what voltage to be sending. And you said this in our first recording, yeah. <laughs> and I, I wanted to come back and ask you about that. So in the same vein, so what you're saying is, it's if you don't have them hooked to batteries, so you don't have a load on them, right? this thing can't figure out what. Right. And so it, its reaction is just to malfunction. Now, I want to change out of what we're talking about for just a minute because I was curious about this. If I have mismatched panels or I have an old panel that's not putting out the correct voltage and I do the same thing, can I can I reset that controller to say? You would have to totally unhook the controller. And some controllers, you know, Midnight Solar, they have what they call a factory reset. It's got actual program that you can go through and do a factory reset. A lot of your smaller PWM controllers actually do not have a factory reset. There's no buttons you can push to make a factory reset. So what you have to do, because it's got little MOSFETs in it that are going to store energy, so it remembers in case, you know, in case you have to leave it unplugged, you have to leave it, it unplugged for wow. a period of time, you know. For so, if, if it does that, if you send and let me get this right because you know I'm horrible with this. So, if I have a 24 volt system, it should be putting out that's 24 nominal, right? Nominal, right? I mean, so it should re- really be putting out what 30, 20, 28, you know, 30, okay. 30, you know, somewhere above 24 to charge a 24 volt bank. So, that controller gets 28 volts. And it says, aha, this is a 24-volt system? Right, right. Okay. You know, it reads, so what it does is it reads that battery bank and says, okay, the battery's got at rest, you know, nothing's charging it yet. It's got 25.2 volts. All right, so now my question is, if you have mismatched panels or you had a weak panel in there or whatever, and you think you have a 24-volt system and you hook it up, and it's really sending, let's say it's sending 18. It wouldn't charge. I mean, it, it just wouldn't do anything at that point. So it wouldn't think that it was 12. Nope. Nope. Because all the charge controllers on the market right now that we're carrying are sensing the battery. They're not detecting the voltage just coming from the panel. Okay. I get but what now you're they can't take, you know, like a PWM okay. controller, it can't take a like 150 volts into it and then convert it down. It doesn't know how to do that. I mean, that's so it's going to read that the batteries are hopefully 24 volt and it's going to say i need to match it's right. coming in right. and because i got 24 volt batteries i got 18 volts coming in i can't do anything with that i right. can't i can't overcome it, it, it's just going to sit there i mean it's just going to literally sit there it's going to be there again the water analogy you know you're trying to push 18 pounds of pressure into a 24 pressure tank you know pounds of pressure tank you can't push it in i mean you have to overcome the pressure to actually get into that you know but it's not going to it's not going to screw up your charge control. Right. It can't feed back. I mean, there's going to be, there's going to be what they would consider like in the panels. You don't have to worry about feedback from the battery into the panels because it's got the diodes in it and the okay. diodes are, you know, everybody doesn't know what a diode is. A diode is basically a one way check valve for the only flow in one direction. It only lets it flow one okay. way. So. All right. So sorry to get us off there. I no, was curious fine. about that. That's that was kind of curious how that happened. So let me get us back on track and you might need us to get back on track. So we've said, 
we don't want to put the panels into the charge controller right. first. So where do we where do we start? So first thing we start, we start with our battery bank. Okay, we get our battery bank, we set our battery bank in the position that we're wanting it. And there's there's a couple reasons for this. We set our battery bank in the position that we want it. We get it all wired together. First, we're going to wire it in whatever series we want. So that, and when I talk about series, we're going to get to whatever voltage series that we want. Which is typically 12, 12, 24, 48. Okay. Everything we typically do right now, that's it. That's it. And then if I have multiple series banks, I'm going to parallel them all together. And then I'm going to find my connection points. And that's going to be opposite ends of the battery bank. Okay. So that's going to be the negative over on the far end of the battery bank and the positive on the exact opposite end of that. So that's where I'm going to find my master terminals. I'm going to determine my master terminals at that point. And that's where I'm going to make all my connections at. And so the next thing I'm going to do after I get all those batteries set, and there again, there's a couple of reasons for this. Me personally, I'm going to hook up my inverter next. Okay, I'm going to hook my inverter to the battery bank. I'm going to put in all my terminals or all my connections happen on the master terminals. So I'm going to put my inverter cables onto the battery bank. Now I don't have to wire that directly to the inverter yet, but I want my cables hooked up there. And then I want to hook up my charge controller cables over the top of those inverter cables. And then I'm going to tighten all those connections down. And I'm going to make sure I'm very tight so as I don't create any excess heat on the battery terminals because a loose connection will cause heat and it will be a, a major fail point. Arcing. I mean, arc, it'll like, arc. I mean yeah. it's a major fail point. So I want to make sure my connections are all real tight there. And then from there, I would personally would recommend putting some kind of a fuse in line to my inverter. And I'm going to run to that fuse bank. I'm not going to install the fuse yet. And then I'm going to go ahead and hook up my inverter, less the fuse out of it. Okay, so hold on. I got my batteries all wired together yep. over here, and they're sitting there, and we're not connected to anything yet other right. than each other's batteries. Right. And now you're saying, I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to connect my inverter to my charge controller. I'm going to connect my inverter to my battery bank, and my inverter cables and my charge controller cables are going to connect on the same terminals, master terminals. But is your charge controller in front of your inverter? Or is it's, it's, it's in on between? the other side. It, the batteries are in between. Okay, so let's let's number it. Okay, solar panels number one, charge controller number two, batteries three, inverter four. Okay. 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 Right. I'm, so I'm sorry. I batteries are three. Yeah, I'm going to go. A moment there. I'm going to hook up my cables, my four and my two cables. I'm going to put that on the battery. Your inverter is the last step before it goes into your house or whatever. Right. It goes to AC. Yep. 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 And so what I want to do there, I want to make sure that just like on jumper cables on a, a battery, I do not want to let my Positive and negative terminals get together. I mean, that can hurt the battery bank, so I don't let those get together. But now I've put my fuse in, and I do, I highly, not highly recommend, I always recommend a fuse in between my inverter and my battery bank. You're never going to go wrong never. putting a fuse everywhere, are you? I mean, that's right. That's right. I mean, look at the old homes that used to burn down because there wasn't a breaker in the breaker box. Or there uh, was a penny in the you know, fuse. Or, there, there was, <laughs> yeah, or somebody put a penny in there. You know. Doesn't work. Okay, so... And there's a couple of reasons I do that. And you can use a, a fuse style. The A&Ls. Yeah, the A&L, like fuse block and fuses. Or you can use a DC breaker, you know, that you can actually like flip MN, on and off. MNEPV. Yeah, like, so. an, like an MNPV uh, breaker. Or you, we actually have just a like a 100 amp, 150, 200, 250 amp. It's just a flip style breaker. 
Those are resettable. A lot of people like them. They're a little more expensive. A lot of people like them, though, because they, instead of having to change a fuse, they can just flip the breaker. You know, they can just reset the breaker, and, it, and it's going. A couple of reasons I do that I recommend them. One, safety. Number two, no arc. If I hook this all up and nothing's got power yet, there's no arc. I don't arc anything, so I don't take that chance of that arc jumping to the case on the inverter or something like that, frying a component. Okay. So I really recommend those. So right now we've got our inverter hooked to our batteries. Right. And then our our, our battery charge, hooked to our charge controller. Charge controller cables, yep. And then I'm going to go to my charge controller next. Okay. Yep. So I've hooked up my inverter, and now I'm going to go to my charge controller. And I'm going to do the same thing. I recommend a fuse on the other side. So my batteries are protected both sides by fuses. And as we've we've mentioned multiple times in all of our podcasting, batteries are typically the most That's expensive right. portion right. of your yep. of your configuration, and you always want to do whatever to protect them. Protect them at all costs. That's right. So I'm going to come up from there. Same style breakers, same style. I mean, you can use the same style breakers there again. Same style fuses if you want to. You're going to come up from there, and you're going to go into your charge controller. There again, the reason I recommend that is as you're hooking up your charge controller, you do not want to have an arc happen because typically when you're working on a charge controller, your positive and your negative are very close together. And so if you're working with battery power, I mean, you energize power now. And if I happen to touch that positive and negative together as I'm putting it in, I can cause damage there. So I got to be really not going to blow it up, but not you're going to blow gonna... it up, but it's going to arc. And it, you know, we're talking about a little electronic box. I mean, it, that everything to do with this thing is all about electricity. Now, in all of these connections, do you always hook negative first or do you always hook positive first? It really doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. You know, everybody thinks that, oh, if I hook the negative first, then I wouldn't get a spark. That's not right. I mean, you can get a spark either way. Okay. Because all you're doing is completing the circuit. All right. I always hook up positive first and negative second, but that's just a personal preference. Okay. So we're into our charge controller. So now right? I'm in my charge controller. And at this point, the charge controller is going to activate and it's going to wake up and say, oh. Got some juice. I've got juice. I've got a 24-volt bank. All right. I am ready for the connection of my charging source. And in this particular case, we're talking about solar. And so then I'm going to come down. I'm going to do the same thing between my solar panels and my charge controller. I'm going to put a fuse, a disconnect, or something in between breakers, something in between those, so I can don't have energized panels coming directly at the charge controller. So in this process, would you say that this interruption, this fuse between the solar panels and the charge controller, if I only had money for one fuse, is this where I would put it? That's where I would put it. Yeah. And yeah, this yeah. is because very this important. Is, this is going to probably cause the most damage. A couple of reasons. I mean, well, let's you, go on through that. You can, so, you can cause damage by simply hooking it up and or you can cause damage if there happens to be a lightning strike, whatever. If it gets into your panels and there's nothing to stop it on the way through, it's going to destroy something. I mean, it, there's, something's going to be destroyed. And a charge controller a lot of times is, you know, depending on the charge controller, they can be very cheap and they can be, you know, midnight solar can be yeah. six, seven hundred dollars back mean, in there too. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's going to be high dollar equipment, you know, I just don't want to take that chance. I mean, you're talking typically a breaker and a breaker, a little breaker box, like a MMPV three, you're talking, you know, 80 yeah. to a, you know, $90 for the complete deal, you know? So, so it's a, it's a beautiful Saturday and I've got all my panels racked up first but I haven't hooked them up yet. Sun's shining bright and I don't put a fuse in there and I just run my cables over to my charge controller and I go to plug them in. 
what do I run the risk of doing? You run the risk at the charge controller when you go to plug them in. Without a disconnect, you take the chance of a, a spike voltage. It's going to spike just instantaneously. I mean, it's going to have a real high voltage instantaneously. Whereas a breaker is more of a soft start. It doesn't let that high spike come through. I mean, it evens it out. Because if your panels are sitting out there, they're ready to produce. And they're sitting there. They are producing. It's just you haven't given them anywhere to go yet. But that's what's going to happen. I mean, it's going to create a real high spike. And there again, depending on the controller, it might not be able to handle the spike that you give it. And if you were just doing one or two panels, the thing would be to throw a blanket over them or something like that. And then, you know, a, a bigger install, nine panels. I mean, Good luck you find enough blankets, or good luck getting your <laughs> wife to give you enough blankets to take out there to put You'd over You'd be getting panels. the lovely blue tarp that yeah, you had on yeah. your roof over the winter yeah. for the leak. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, that's kind of the order of it. I mean, we've talked about it before. I mean, and, and, and we numbered them one, two, three, and four. So you would connect three to two and four first, and number one goes last. And on that... Do you need a breaker or a fuse on both sides? Do you need a breaker on the negative and positive? Nope. Or do you just nope. need you, one and you're just, breaker, you're just breaking well, the I circuit? always breaker the positive is what I do. I okay. always put the breaker on the positive or fuse or there again, whatever. Okay, so backing up, recapping, I got my batteries set to my inverter, and then I've got my charge controller hooked to my batteries. Right. And then my last step is in connecting my right. solar panels to right. my charge controller. Right. Now, when I make that final connection, do I need to be plugged into my AC wherever nope. it's going you don't out have to? to be. No, nope. as long as you have the charge controller has a, a place to expel or, or put the energy and or just shut itself off because it knows what it needs to do at that point. Because you've got actually, your batteries in right, here. Because it actually saying, has woke up. It's been turned on. It's got a brain to think. Without that, it doesn't have a brain to think. It's just... You're Frankenstein in the thing. You're just sticking electricity to a dead object, and it's going, oh, my gosh, and it spikes the voltage on it again is what it does. Now, if I'm hardwired into my house, when does that happen? If you're going to hardwire into the house, I would want to have that done before I actually turned on my solar panels. There again, I personally recommend doing the MMPV breaker and just having those breakers turned off and then... Once I have my, that way, because I'm going to hire an electrician right. for my AC And side. we want to really stress that yeah. no matter what. I'm going to hire an electrician. He's going to come in. He's going to make sure I'm hooked into my sub panel or my main panel correctly. And once he's determined that, see, I can already test. By that time, he can already test because he does have energy in the batteries. Yeah. He's so he can do the test. with. I mean, it's just a test is all he's going to do. But he can flip on breakers on that side, and he can test. And then once he says, yeah, it's all working correctly, I can now flip my my solar panel breakers on and just start producing energy. Okay. So that's that's when I'd want to do that. But I'd want to have all that hooked up first. Okay. And if I had all that hooked up, I got everything done, and then I'm ready to – is it just as simple as now I've got everything hooked together – my last thing is I'm going to walk over to my breaker between my solar panel and my charge controller and flick flip it. it. That's and right. We're, and we're, flip it on. You're running. We're, we're live and running. Yep. Your solar panels are now being the charging source for the batteries is what it's doing. Because really, a lot of people don't understand or, or don't realize, okay, so we call them 
one, two, three, and four. Okay, so so three was batteries, two was charge controller, and one and two was charge controller. So we're just going to say they're number one now. We're just going to say this is a one, two, three system. Two is the batteries, and one is solar panels or energy or production, and three is our consumption or our inverter. So three does not care where the energy came from. It does not care about one. The only reason it's related to one in any way, shape, or form is because of number two. And number one doesn't care about number three. It doesn't care what's using the energy on the other side. It's just giving it to the batteries. It's just a charging source. So one and three do not care about each other. The only thing is, is you want to make sure that we want to make sure everything's kind of matching there so I don't overuse or underuse too much. So there is a correlation there that your salesmen or your sales techs are going to want to kind of know so they they size it correctly. But really, they don't care about each other in the sense that they're not going to work with each other. They don't really actually care about that. They're just going to keep on working. Now, if you start getting into something like our VFXRs, our hybrid controller, which is a a battery-based or not controller, or battery-based inverter, but it's also a grid-time inverter, you can hook up one and three together. There's a, a hub and they will talk to each other, basically. I mean, they've got programming. They'll talk. Figure so, out where the yeah, electricity so they, needs yeah, to come so from. So they can really tell that, you know, exactly what it needs to be given. Okay, yeah, you can give me all you want right now because we're over on grid over here now. We're feeding the grid. Our batteries are full. Come on, give me all the energy you have because we got batteries full and we can just feed the grid all we want now. So it's going to let all that energy now go through to the grid. So you're getting the most out of it you know, at that point. So All right, let's throw wind into this. So everything we've talked about from three and four, it all stays the same, okay? Which is our batteries, inverters, batteries. Inverters. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All that's that's all the same. And really, the charge controller would stay the same, but we're using a different charge controller. We're using a wind model charge controller. It's got to be designed so with, for wind. So with wind, we're doing the same thing. We're gonna we're gonna hook our inverter to our batteries and our batteries to our wind charge controller. That's right. And now we're going to. Our charge controllers have little ports on them that you're going to run the, you know, let's just say you're using our 1600 watt model. It's got a little white bar on there. That's got three, it's got a three wire port. You're going to hook those three wires into that three wire port in any fashion that you want. There's not a, you know, blue has to go in here. Red has to go this, in here. Is this the wild? This is the wild AC. It's all producing voltage. All three of them are producing the same amount of voltage coming down the line. So there's no rhyme or reason to how you you know install them into the actual controller. So at that, a lot of our controllers that we design actually have a brake switch on them. And I do recommend if you're using one of our turbines to use a brake switch with it as a manual brake switch, but it has multiple functions. The main function is, is it acts also as a breaker. You can turn it off. You can turn it off, turn it on. You can let energy actually go through if you want to or not. I mean, so you can actually stop the energy right there at that box. Number two deal is for testing purposes. If I'm testing with that, if I flip my brake switch to on or to brake and my turbine stops spinning, well, then I know I have a connection to my actual turbine. Because what's happening is you're taking that energy from the spinning wind turbine and basically looping it back onto itself. Looping it back onto itself. And, 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 it's, and loading, right. putting and, load back on that. That's right. You're, its own load back yeah, on it and saying. Yeah. And it can't overload itself. I mean, it can only, there again, it's it's like having two opposing barrels of water 
both with the exact same amount of pressure and they're, they're trying to push back and forth. They're trying to reach down and pick yourself up by grabbing right, yeah, your feet. Yeah, trying to, yeah, you trying to lift yourself can't. up. Off the, that's exactly right. That's, <laughs> you, a, that's a you great can. one. But you can't do it. Every law of physics says that impossible. So that's what we're doing there. You know, there's some people out there in the world that would say, oh, break switches, yada, yada, you know, they're just a scam to get more money. Well, they're, those people are wrong. They're dead wrong. <laughs> those same people also say, throw a soft rope into your turbine. Never, ever do that. Okay, don't do that. Just never touch the blades with anything that's not designed to be touched with. And that would be your hands only at a dead stop because our blades are sharp. They yeah. can cut you. They can hurt you. Just don't do it. Okay. I mean, just never touch the blades when they're spinning, being as our Falcon blade, our G5, or G4. And they're, they're designed that way to be incredibly aerodynamic they're, they're and, and super aerodynamic keep, to catch every ounce right. of wind that they're, they can they're catch. They're meant to cut the wind in a very easy motion and and, and they do and they do <laughs> and, and unfortunately they will cut you i actually cut myself on them while demonstrating just by spinning them with my hand and i cut myself fairly good so just never touch the blades when in motion always use the brake switch that's the reason it's there and the brake switch i mean when some people say well you know i'll just get up there and check it on days of the wind's not blowing well what if you see something that's wrong with the turbine you see a wobble or something and the wind's blowing 25 mile an hour, you've got to get it stopped. So what we're talking about here, though, right, is you've got your tower down. Right. You're putting this in, but you still want to put that brake switch in there. Right. Is it is it not the equivalent of having that breaker? It is. It is. With the... Yeah, it is. It's with exact, the solar panel. It's exactly so like you, the, the breaker. You've got it down. You're installing it. You put it in brake. Then you lift your tower... Right. I say it's exactly like a a breaker is actually designed to carry a certain amount of amperage and then fail at that point or trip at that point. This thing does not do that. This is not going to trip at a certain amount. This is more of a, a breaker in the sense that you can flip it on, you can flip it off. No energy will go through if you have it in the off position. And the free spin position is actually is a, where no energy is going anywhere. I mean, it's just staying all in the turbine. As heat and not a, right. not a good so thing. So we do not and... recommend you leave it in a free spin <laughs> position for very long. And you don't want to leave it in a brake excessively long because of and brake, there again, you're now creating the actual circuit. You're completing the circuit. And so it's going to get warm in that case. I mean, it's, if you it, have a high, hard wind, it's going to get warm. It's like putting on the brakes and hitting the gas. That's right. That's right. You <laughs> in know, your, in you your car. And it's, yeah. Power braking. Now, it can hold out for a, a period of time. I mean, I'm not saying that you can only do this for five minutes and you have to turn it off because that's what it's designed for. It's just not designed to be on for days or weeks or months. I mean, you know, say you have a cabin that you have up in the mountains and you go there, you go there in the spring and you visit it all the way to the fall. But come fall, you shut the cabin down. I'm going to flip the brake on. Don't do that. Take the turbine down. Yeah, bring it down. Just bring it down. You're going to be better off just bringing the turbine down. You won't have to call me the next spring and say, hey, my turbine's not producing any energy anymore. Now, we're working on some stuff. We're working on some stuff, but it's not can't, there. can't talk about yes, that. Right. That's right. That's right. That's on the uh, down low right now. That's on it's the DL. But the basic order of operation of hookup is exactly the same as solar. It's just you, you're using a different charge controller. And remember, our charge controllers have to have some type of way to divert energy because Unlike solar, wind will keep producing energy, and it has to have a place to keep load on it. So that's where a diversion load, we call it dump load a lot of times, but that's where the diversion or dump load has to go to keep that 
resistance on that turbine to keep it slowed down so it doesn't overspin because turbine spinning at way too much speed, which they it's possible in free spin mode for them to do that. If they spin too fast, I mean, they can actually damage themselves. I mean, they can, they can actually spin out, you know, and, and you just don't want that to happen. I mean, so you want to keep a load on your turbine. You know, we've had numerous people buy our turbines with the intentions of never hooking it up. They want a windmill type deal in their yard. So I mean, I just a yard, had a yard had, ornament. They want a yard ornament. I just want something to, you know, and, and I tell them every time, that's great. I don't mind you doing that, but put some kind of light load on there. So it has something that it's trying to at least, you know, I don't care if you ever use the energy from the battery or not, but put something on there to keep that, you know, to, so it doesn't just overspend, you know. Because it's not even cool looking when it's spinning so fast that you think you're going to die. You can't see it. You know? yeah. <laughs> it looks like it's rotating backwards all of a sudden. So definitely make sure that you're, you know. And there again, any of this stuff that we've talked about today, I mean, the smallest question, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, fuse sizes or whatever. Call the sales technicians. We would much rather walk you through the setup as to have to walk you through the troubleshooting. You're going to get plenty of instructions on it in the, yes. in the box. But... This isn't installing a ceiling fan in your house. That's right. Where you know, you've done it a hundred times, you go out and do it. this. Is yeah. this is all kind of one time ish stuff? Yeah. You know, and, and there's a lot of people. You know, me personally, I put in a solar system. It took me two years to get comfortable enough to really think I'm going to go do this. You know, then once I had learned it well, I could have done it. You know, three days after I started learning about it, it had I been comfortable enough doing it. After I put it in, you know, as I started putting it in. There was a couple little idiosyncrasies I learned, and I was talking about the reasons I do the order operations I do. One, I started to put my batteries in. Okay, so I set my batteries. I made a little shelf, kept them up off the ground, and so I put my batteries in. Well, you know, the first thing I did was I screwed my charge controller to the wall, and I screwed my charge controller to the wall, and I'd already put my panels on the roof, by the way, and I hadn't made any connections yet. Well, what happened? I was too short on my wires. (laughs) So I had to redesign the shelf. That is a West Shank project. Yeah, if it's so good enough to, to do one, it's it. good enough to do it twice. Bring it back down, <laughs> you know. So had I just set my batteries first and then hooked all my wires up like I have just told you, <laughs> I know exactly the length I have to work with. Same way with my solar panels. I mean, I would want to know exactly. I would want to run my wires down, not hook them up, but I'd want to make sure I've got enough length to get there because old Dave... Just telling you what he did. After I had to move my charge controller down, all of a sudden my wires for my solar panels weren't quite long enough. <laughs> so go get six foot extensions. Hey, wait a minute. I was going to say, know? is there, is yeah. there so some wires out in the just, warehouse now? It's like, yes, it was just a who, cluster. I who, mean, it really was. It who was who authorized like, oh, this return? Gosh, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> first rule of general, or second rule is general shop. First rule is use all tools for what they're intended to be used for. That was first rule. Learn that one the hard way. Second rule, measure twice, <laughs> cut once. And, you know, yeah, our rule is, I didn't, my rule is, yeah, I cut that board um, again and it's yeah, still too short. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I did well in shop, but I didn't bring the rules on out and keep going with them. So, all right. So, we got this all laid out. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. And we appreciate you listening in. Thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast today. If you have a question that you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, email us at radio at mwands.com. You can follow us on our website, mwands.com, or subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. 
check out our store at m1s.com and buy some stuff. Buying stuff allows us to continue to produce our educational broadcasts, like our podcasts and YouTube videos, and most importantly, it keeps Lucy's doggy chicken treats coming. Thanks again.